I'm the guy who records every hour of the Olympics and will stay up to like 4 a.m. watching curling. Uh, when I was, in high, I was in high school, my mom woke up at like 3 a.m. She catches me in the living room. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, mom, this is the quarterfinals of curling. This is serious stuff. Back up off me. You know, but one of, one of the great things about sports, or one of the things that's most admired in sports, is grace under pressure. Um, and when I think of that, I think of one person that I hate more than any person in this entire world. I shouldn't use the word hate, I know, but whatever. Tom Brady, okay? Yeah, just listen. Tom Brady is an awful human being. I'm, I, I mean, I'm fairly certain of it. I don't know him at all. I know nothing about him personally, but I'm pretty sure he's an awful human being. Um, but when it comes to grace under pressure, this guy is like the Michael Jordan of football, right? I mean, expressionless face, like you wouldn't know anything was happening to him. The world's crashing in all around him. He's old and slow, but still has a rocket of an arm. And it's just like he picks defenses apart all game long, right? This guy is the epitome of grace under pressure. Today, we're looking at, at the story of Mary and Joseph. And if life were football, Mary and Joseph would make Tom Brady look like this year's Peyton Manning. Who exactly? You wouldn't know. Um, who's somebody that really sucks in Star Wars, PA? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Mary and Joseph would make Tom Brady look like Jar Jar Binks. Understood? Okay, yeah, glad, glad we're on the same level now, that guy. So... Mary and Joseph are thrown into this, um, quite frankly, terrible situation where God informs them that they are going to be the parents of his son, Jesus. Now, we always hear this story from the Christmas perspective of how um, wonderful and, and fluffy and he was born in a manger and there was a giant star and the little drummer boy who's not in the Bible, by the way, um, and, and they all bring him gifts, and it's just flowery, and it's wonderful, and it's great. Well, today we're looking at it from the perspective of Mary and Joseph, okay? So first place we're going to be, we're in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. First three verses say this. Grab my Bible, kick it old school. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, in the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, as you know, we're talking about Advent, and the first question I have here is, is one of the pillars of Advent fear, right? We have hope, joy, faith, peace, love. Okay, not fear. But here's the thing. Mary was absolutely positively terrified in this instance. Now, there's two, two trains of thought here. One is, she doesn't understand how an angel can tell her that she's highly favored by God. Okay, we're talking about poor, low class, um, about as outcast in society as can be, as this young girl. And so one, she's like, what do you mean I'm highly favored? And two, greetings from angels in this time, not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Typically, it was a message of, hey, quite frankly, you've really been sucking at life. You should correct that. Otherwise, God's going to destroy you. So here this, here this angel comes and is delivering this message, and she is literally terrified, okay? And he goes on in verse 31. Another reason I think she's terrified, this is brilliant, 
goes on in verse 30 and 31, and he, he, this is what he says. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Okay, I know, Sherlock Holmes. Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Okay, so here Mary is absolutely positively petrified, right? Mary, this young 12 to 14-year-old girl um, about to be married, and this angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby. Nothing says calm the freak down to a 12 to 14-year-old Middle Eastern unwedded girl like, hey, you're going to have a baby. Right? doesn't matter if it was then or now. That, that is pretty much a death sentence. That's the end. See, because the law says in that day that if you're pregnant before you're married or you're even caught having a sexual relationship outside of marriage, you can be stoned to death. So Mary has just been delivered this death sentence. And we look at these different pillars of Advent, and we think about hope, right? Hope is the certainty that your future will be better than your past. Mary's just hoping that she's going to get past this so that she has a future. Because right now, it's not looking like one's coming. Then we have joy. It's that inner excitement about life. <laughs> not a chance. How excited do you think she is? Mary, you're going to have a baby. What? Are you serious right now? And then we have peace, security, and the chaos. I can't imagine anything more unnerving than her situation. Love, a sacrifice for others. I guarantee you she's not feeling the love right now. Definitely not. She's probably thinking, I thought God loved me. Is this, is this really love? You just sentenced me to, me to die. Hey, God, what are you doing? And then we have faith. Faith is seeing the things the way God sees them and acting on it. As we go through these stories, I want you to think about these themes and think about how Mary and Joseph portray Advent in their life. They put it on display for all to see. See, here's the first thing I want us to understand about Mary's situation. It would have been absolutely, positively normal for her to cower in the face of God's calling. It would have been completely okay. We all are called to something in life. See, I come from a school of thought that believes that God places a calling on each and every one of your lives. And whether he's calling you to be in business or he's calling you to be a teacher or he's calling you to sell insurance or he's calling you to be a plumber or he's calling you to be a pastor or he's just calling you to teach Sunday school on top of your other responsibilities or he's calling you to give of your time and efforts to some charity, whatever it may be, God places a calling on your life. And sometimes those callings are scary. They're terrifying. See, I remember when I felt the call to preach, I I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I felt God really saying to me, Paul, I want you to surrender your life to the ministry. I want you to become a pastor. And my response was, are you sure? Because that seems scary. That seems terrifying. Sometimes what God calls you to do will make you change your entire life. It's okay in those instances to shy away from God's calling in a way. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay to have fear. 
See, I think the angel continues talking in verses 32 and 33 because Mary is just sitting in front of him like mouth open, silent scream type stuff. You're like, and, and he has to go on and convince her. So verse 32 and 33, he says, hey, he will be great. And he will be the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, I'm thinking maybe, hopefully, Mary is hearing this and thinking, well, at least my son's not going to be a loser. He's got a future ahead of him. Still maybe a little disbelieving because, remember, we talked about her standing in society. How is her son going to get the throne of David? And the angel goes on to say, you're going to be under the power of the Most High God. See, but then something hits her like a ton of bricks in 34. She says this, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, I want you to picture this how I picture this. And I kind of did this impression last night when I was hanging out with Phil and Jack and Amanda and Justin and, you know, them people. So, you, have you all seen the movie Castaway? You see, and you remember when he makes fire? And he's walking around, he's beating his chest, and he's like, look what I, oh, sorry, look what I have, fire, I have made fire. Like, I'm picturing this happening. So Mary is sitting there thinking, what if other people hear this? And she's saying, how can this be? Because I, Mary, am a virgin. And then she's like, well, Gabriel, what are you talking about, Gabriel? I have not had sex. I have not had sex. I'm about to be married. So we had the talk. My mom and I, we had the talk. I know how this goes down. I know what I didn't do. I can't have a baby because that has not happened. Hits her like a ton of bricks. This can't happen. How can this be because I'm a virgin? What I want us to to learn from that, okay, is that it's okay to pose questions to God. See, when things happen in our life that are scary or terrifying or we want to back away from, um, and we feel like God is calling us to do those things, it's okay to pose questions to God. God, are you sure? God, why me? God, can I do this? You know, it, it's, it's natural to ask questions to God. We kind of, in church, think that like we can't ever question God at all. Right? Like we can't ever... <laughs> and I'm not sitting here saying that you can tell God that he's wrong or that you can tell God that you're not going to do what he calls you to do. That's, that's not my point. But my point is that when you're in a relationship with someone, like you're in a relationship with God, it's okay to ask questions. And I want us as Christians to understand that, that we can pose questions to God and we can be in that relationship with God where we ask, God, are you sure? God, can I do this? And here's what happens. Here's what takes place. Verse 35 through 37. The Holy Spirit answered, I know you haven't had sex, Mary, but the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and He will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. So Mary 
still doubtful, Angel still feeling like he has to convince her, notifies her of three things. You're going to be under the power of the Most High God. That's untouchable. You are going to be under the power of the Most High God. Then he hits her with a real life, like right up in her face example. Even your relative Elizabeth, who's older than dirt, that's what he's saying, is going to have a baby. So you can too. And three, no word of God ever fails. So yes, while it's natural sometimes to fear our calling that God has placed on our life, and while it's okay to pose questions, we can be confident to do what God calls us to do, knowing that we are overshadowed by the power of the Most High God and that no word of God ever fails. See, when God called me to preach, my fear wasn't because I didn't think God was strong enough to make it happen. My fear was that I thought I wasn't strong enough to make it happen. Mary has that same fear here. She's fearing her weakness. She's fearing her inadequacies. How can I give birth to the Son of God when I'm just lowly, poor, outcast? When God calls you to do scary, terrible, sometimes, I shouldn't say terrible, in your mind, terrible, things that you fear, you can be confident to respond like Mary does in verse 38 when she says, I am the Lord's servant, May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary's response is not likely, but it is obtainable. Mary's response is not likely, but it is obtainable. You see, we all face a crossroads in our calling where we think, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I didn't understand what God was saying. Maybe I should give up. Moment of honesty, moment of truth. Now, there was a time a couple months ago I was flying out to do my cousin's wedding and it, um, I, I was struggling spiritual warfare and um, in prayer every day in conversations with God, wondering if this is really what God had called me to do. Did he really call me to preach? Did he really want me to be a pastor? Because I wasn't feeling too confident um, in my abilities I was fearing my own weakness. I was forgetting that hope and joy and faith and peace and love come from God and that they didn't have to derive from myself. And as I'm waiting to fly out, uh, waiting in Springfield's airport, up comes a man by the name of Randy Ruiz who is a pastor buddy of mine. He's, he's kind of a mentor for me. Um, I played football with his sons, went to high school with his sons, um, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever. My mom is a tra was a travel agent. Not is, was. Sorry. And uh, did all of his travel. Booked all of his flights for everything he did. And he, he's a powerful speaker, great evangelist. And he just had a conversation with me. He sat down and for about two minutes just poured into me. And I saw the life in his eyes that was put there by God. You see, I saw hope, and I saw joy, and I saw faith, and I saw peace, and I saw love. And he let me know that I was loved. And he let me know that God was there to give me peace. 
See, because these things derive from God. He's the source of these things. That's why Mary can be confident to say, I'm your servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. And so as I'm sitting in this airport and I'm just having this conversation with this man, I'm sitting there thinking, I remember what that felt like. I remember what that passion felt like. I remember what that hope and what that joy and what that love and what that peace looked like. And it was as if God was letting me know and reminding me that I was under the power of the Most High God and that no word of God ever fails. See, I know that Mary was terrified in this situation because it meant the end of her life. Whew. Two things have to be true for Mary to have the response that she had. One, she really had to believe and put her faith in the fact that no word of God ever fails. When you come to these situations in life, these forks in the road where your pillars have an opportunity to crumble, lean on the fact that no word of God ever fails. And He has spoken over you a destiny that no man can touch. No man can destroy, not even yourself. Not even if you wanted to. And the second thing that had to happen is that Mary's life was supported by these pillars of Advent. Hope. Right? She's told that God's word never fails. She's overshadowed by the power of the most high God. Mary's future is going to be better than her past. Joy. May your word be fulfilled in me. She's on board, people. She's buying in. Jumping in with both feet. Peace. There's no argument here, right? There's no argument after, after God, after the angel lets her know that, hey, you're overshadowed by the power of the Most High. No word of God can ever fail. There's no argument. She jumps in. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. And love. See, this may cost her everything. This may cost her everything, but she's willing to make the sacrifice. And then faith. Again, I'm the, word, the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. I think she has it covered. God's going to call you to do something. Okay? He probably already has, and he'll probably continue to call you to do more things. When that happens, how will you respond? Are you going to respond like Mary? See, he may not call you. I hope he doesn't call you to carry his child. Definitely won't happen to you, Jared. You're a male. <laughs> Chocolate up to anatomy. Thank you, Lord. Right? But he may call you to give of your time and your talents. He may call to give of your money. He may call you to become a missionary. He may call you to become a pastor. But whatever that calling is, we can respond like Mary and be confident to respond like Mary, knowing that we are overshadowed by the power of the Most High God 
and that his love never fails. And while we see that Mary's on board, this whole thing is kind of contingent on Joseph's response. And when we get to read about Joseph and we're going there, we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We see that Joseph is a man of incredible love and faith. See, because society says that he should stone Mary. He should take Mary's life. Because Mary was unfaithful to him and she is carrying another man's child. Verses 18 and 19 say this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce, to divorce, to divorce her quietly. See, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He didn't want to shame Mary in this situation, although he had every right to. Although the law said that he could, he sacrificed his own pride and his own image to give Mary her life. I'd say that he was handling the situation in a godly manner. In verse 23, uh, 20 through 23, we see that Joseph is allowing God to work in his situation because this is what it tells us. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Notice it says that as Joseph had considered this, not after Joseph had made up his mind, an angel had come to him to deliver this message. We learn something very powerful from Joseph in this instance. One, when we face rough, tough, sometimes heartbreaking situations, we handle things according to what we know about God. You want to know about God. You want to know how God would act. You want to know what God would do in a given situation. This is revelation. This reveals his character to us. And so you find what God is like and how God would respond right here in this Bible. See, but a relationship is more than knowing a person or knowing about a person or knowing how that person might respond. My wife may handle something nine out of ten times the exact same. But the tenth time when I don't ask her and I just do it because I think that's the way she would do it, I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't talk to her about it, and that's not what she had in mind at that point. See, we can live according to God's word, and we can live according to what the Bible teaches us about who God is, but if we're not in a relationship with God, and we're not hearing his voice, we're going to miss out on some of the blessings that he has for us in life. It's all about that hear and follow relationship that you always hear us talk about. Okay, Joseph heard God and he followed through with what God wanted from him. So that's how we handle tough situations. We act according to what we know of God and his character and the way he would do things. But we allow God to speak to us and through us in situations where we think maybe I should handle this a different way. In verse 24 through 25, we see that Joseph heard God. 
It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Remember that faith is seeing things the way that God sees them and acting on it. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what we just saw. You see, Joseph is a man of incredible love, willing to sacrifice himself for Mary's life, and a man of incredible faith because he listened to what God wanted from him and he acted on it. When God calls you to do something, will you listen and will you act? That's faith. That's faith. It's not just saying, God, I believe who you say you are. It's saying, God, I believe who you say you are and I will do what you ask of me. That's faith. Shane told us last week that Advent is the expectation and anticipation of a Savior. As Mary and Joseph are anticipating and expecting their baby boy, you have to really understand what Joseph is going through to understand how strong his pillars truly were. See, outside perspective looking in, Mary's a skank. I mean, that's it. That's what Mary is. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, don't you wish Shane would sometimes say that? I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, by taking her as his wife, is either a dirty, rotten sinner because he's admitting that he actually became one with Mary, and that that's his child. Or two, he's a coward with no backbone because he won't do what the law says he should. They're outcasts. They are absolute outcasts. Nobody wants to be seen with them. Nobody wants to have anything to do with them. Nobody wants to be around them because these are dirty sinners. These are the low of the low. And you have to remember that Joseph was a carpenter, right? Carpentry and the way the business model works, I'm pretty sure is pretty close to the same now as it was then. A lot of the business comes from word of mouth, comes from connections to people you know, right? His business ruined. Nobody can be associated with this man. Well, I was going to let Joseph build me a table, but it turns out he's awful, right? And so there goes Joseph's business. Pretty terrifying. Neither one of them had much to begin with, but at least they had their good names and now that's gone too. We can't let outside opinions determine the strength of our pillars. If Joseph let outside opinions determine the strength of his pillars, he would have been done for. God has a great plan for your life, and I mean big time stuff. Big time stuff. In society, we take that to mean that God's going to make our journey easy or comfortable. But what it really should mean is that we understand that God's power is overshadowing us and that he loves us. When are great accomplishments ever easy? 
Luke 2.7 And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for him. Expectation and anticipation. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Will you live a life that displays the peace, the joy, the hope, and love, and faith that comes with a life lived for Jesus? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this message um, that, that comes from your word, that comes um, from you, God. We, we see the example of Mary and Joseph, what it means to have grace under pressure, what it means to lead examples, to live life as, as godly examples for, for other people. Lord, we thank you for the examples they set. We pray that as individuals, we will understand that we are overshadowed by your power and that your word never fails and that we can be confident and comfortable to follow the path that you set out for us, Lord. Because when we live life in you, Advent is a real thing. It's obtainable. It's here. Just like your son's Jesus here, as, as we were told, he came here to save our sins, God, and we thank you for that. As we reach the Christmas season, we celebrate his life. We celebrate his, his, his dedication and his sacrifice. I pray, Lord, that if anybody out there doesn't know you, that they will come talk to me, that they will take just the time to, to pose questions, to, to seek a relationship with you, Lord, one where they can know that they are never alone and that you are always with them. In your son's name I pray, amen.